Uh, what is up, college baseball fans? Welcome to the Weekend 5 recap edition of the 11.7 podcast. We have a great episode planned for you. Uh, we're going to end it with an unbelievable interview we had with former MLB All-Star Devin Mezzarocco, who joined the show. He is currently an assistant coach for the Pitt Panthers, who are in first place right now in the ACC out of nowhere. Nobody would have thought that. But we're definitely going to recap opening weekend for SEC play. Sure, we're going to talk a little bit about Jack Leiter's no-hitter, if you guys didn't already see that. And uh, we're going we're gonna to release our top 25, both mid-major and normal top 25. There's a team out there that's hotter than uh, Fire Ant on a fever blister, and that is Louisiana Tech. Break down the uh, Bulldogs and how they've been hot recently. We're also going to just talk about, you know, really anything that comes to mind. It is late over here on the East Coast. Me and Dimitri are burnt out right now. Not burnt out. I'm not burnt out. I'm ready to rock, baby. (laughs) Not burnt out, but we are uh, (laughs) just in a different level right now. So this is going to be a fun episode. Dimitri... Before we get started, what kind of caught your attention as far as SEC opening weekend besides the fact that Jack Leiter dominated the college baseball world once again with that no-hitter? Um, well, Jack Leiter throwing a ridiculous no-hitter. I mean, throwing a no-hitter is one thing, but throwing a 16-strikeout no-hitter and all 16 of his strikeouts were on fastballs. I mean, it's You didn't just- know that. He's a different breed. And, I, I mean, it really does raise the debate, which we've done a 100 times already, of Kumar Rocker or Jack Leiter. Because Kumar Rocker also had a dominant performance Friday night. And sure enough, he was uh, followed up by Jack Leiter's no-hitter. Those guys but, are unbelievable. They're unbelievable. But the thing is, it's gotten to the point, and I don't know what's gonna, where to go from here. It's gotten to the point where everyone is just like, oh, my God, they're so good. They're so good. And they are so good. But at what point it, are they going to, like, have a bad outing? Like, what is their bad outing? One I run? thought this would be the time that maybe they nah. get shaken up a little bit. I mean, who knows? But what is their bad outing? Is their bad outing five runs and four innings? Their bad outing eight innings, three runs, five innings, two runs? Like, what is a bad outing for them at this point? Because uh, I would say three runs. If you could score three runs off those guys, you give your chance. You give your a shot at a win. Well, I mean, I mean, South Carolina tied it up on Kumar with two runs on Friday night, but it still wasn't a bad start. I mean, Kumar was just no, as electric it wasn't a bad stuff start. wise. That's it wasn't why. The best that's why I thought maybe Jack Leiter might get hit a little bit. You know, the South Carolina hitters late in that game built some confidence, and the, you know, they were swinging the bat much better than they were the first six innings. But then, I mean. I mean, how are you going to follow up two runs against Kumar and then, you know, just look absolutely ridiculous at the plate against Jack Leiter? Who, I mean, he was struggling with command early in the game, and I thought maybe they would get to him, but I mean, this he is. Sh- the- he blew, dude, he let his balls hang and blew. I'm talking blue fastball just past West Clark. I want to know. Like- I want to know what he was saying to Tim Corbin in the dugout to talk him into going out for the ninth inning, already well over 100 pitches. Dude, let me get it. Let me go get it. I don't give a shit. Let me give me the damn ball. I'm going to get. I'm going to go get it. Yeah. I mean, some people are freaking out. Oh my god, he threw so many pitches. Well, guess what? Vanderbilt can you know cut him back next week. Jack Leiter can cut back next week. Their progression. I mean, it's his first start over five innings. By the way, with this weekend, so his progression probably wasn't perfect, but it wasn't like. They haven't been training. He hasn't been ready to throw 100 pitches. He 100% has. He just had to build up a little bit because he threw 100 pitches, I think, 
five innings, 100 pitches last weekend or 80 pitches. Right. I think that if he if he had already given up a hit before the seventh inning, I think he would have been done after six. Oh, yeah, he would have been done. But Kumar and Jack Leiter, they have this competition going. And they talked about it on air. On They had a little, like, um, uh, talk, interview, whatever, on ESPN. <laughs> and then um, Pitching Ninja also interviewed Kumar, and he mentioned – that they have a competition going between each other, like one trying to one up each other. And we talked about this, Ben, that they were probably competing with each other like from the very beginning. Uh, they absolutely, because they know they're the two best pitchers and they just want to find out who is the best. And it, it is ridiculous to me. I mean, this is the first time since Garrett Cole, Trevor Bauer, who I was like kind of too young. I mean, I was in like 10th or 11th grade when they were doing that. But I mean, they're going to go number one, number two overall in the draft. I, I'm very confident in it. And I don't know if we'll ever see anything like this in the future. Like two, two will. studs, two studs on the same pitching staff that are the two best players in college baseball. I'm not even. I don't super- know. We'll see it again. We'll see it again. I just don't know because the, them they're on another level. But I think I mean we'll see we'll see it again. It's gonna it'll somebody two more good players will be somewhere. Maybe we'll hopefully that would be good for the sport. But between Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter, like they they alone are helping grow the sport of college baseball more than pretty much anything going right now. I mean, I mean that, that's the only thing being shown on Sports Center. Like I watched Sports Center Friday night, Saturday night. They had highlights of Kumar Rocker's start and they had highlights of Jack Leiter's start. That yeah. was it. I mean, they are building. They are getting more eyeballs on the sport, but it's not the eyeballs that you really want. I mean, you 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 got to take every eyeball you can. Yeah. But, like, those guys, they just want to watch Vandy. They just want to watch – I mean, which is fine. Go watch Vandy. Nobody is mad at you, but it, we, we got to get more eyeballs that realize they're not the only one. They're yeah. the best, the whole but they're sport. not the only one. Right. No, I mean, 100%. So, give me, like, just a quick prediction on when do you think we will see Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker in the major leagues? Because I don't think it's too long. I think less than two years you'll see both of them. I think you will see – Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker pitching in spring training in 2023 in the big league. And then they'll get called up 21, 22. I think they're okay. They're going to throw all of 2021 in the minors. They're going to throw all of 2022 in the minors. And then I think 2023 is the year they're in the big league. I think so too. I think that's like possibly the latest case scenario. (laughs) Maybe, maybe end of season. Those guys and listen, I know I'm a big college baseball fan, and I know there is not – I mean, there's a huge difference between Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball and SEC Baseball. But you're, if you're, you are completely wrong if you're telling me that those guys could not go out on a Major League uniform today and still get people out consistently. They wouldn't have – I don't know if they would have a great ERA. I think there's still a lot to polish with them. But as far as trotting them out on the Major League mound today, I think they're better than – 20, 25% of middle relief guys and bullpen guys already? Like I think so, too. I there's guys too. in the major leagues but, that wish they had that kind of but stuff. But you're, you're not calling up guys to the big league because they're not good enough. You're waiting to call guys up to the big league to build their confidence as professional pitchers. Because yeah. you've seen how many times somebody get called up. They like Steven Strasburg is well. a good example. Like, had a great first start and then kind of, like, struggled. He had injuries. He wasn't quite developed all the way. And, you know, five, six years later, he's World Series. Finally, he finally became the guy that they drafted. So sometimes when you're calling up a guy, you got to be careful because you want to build his confidence. You want to build him before he ever touches the major league mound because you want him, once he gets to the big league, you just want him to take off. You don't want to have up and downs and all that. 
and then him take off because you lose team control. So basically, that's the whole thing of like, we want the five best years out of him in the big league. We don't want to call him up him be shitty for a year up and down. So now we have only four years left and then he's starting to hit his stride. You want all five years of your team control to be at his best. You so know what, Dimitri, by- that was probably the best point that anybody's ever made on this show. I, I did not even realize that, but you're absolutely right. You want their best five years to be in their uniform because most of these teams drafting one, two, three overall, they don't have the market or the budget to, to sign these guys long-term after free agency hits. You want the best five years to match up with your team's best five years and hopefully get a World Series. I mean, you're right. You're absolutely right. So that's a great point. Good job there, Dimitri. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> hey, how about, how about, dude, let's talk about something else in the SEC. What the hell did Alabama eat for, for breakfast Friday night, Friday morning? For, dude, I, I didn't believe the score when I saw it Friday night. I was like, wait, hold on. I this is a typo. <laughs> I will say this. Arkansas walked. They were walking the house in the first couple innings. The second inning, dude, Ben, they were, it was walk, 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 base hit, walk, home run, blooper, home run, walk. And then they brought Patrick Wick, Wicklander in and he shoved. He threw like five innings, like one run, like eight, nine Ks. But the Patrick Wicklander we saw in the midweek last week was if he again walk, walk, walk. Yeah. And so if you're Dave Van Horn, you're sitting there thinking, Damn it! Somebody show up and stop walking, people. Oh, that's gonna be the, the head coach's most frustrating thing. Is like, listen, we recruited you to throw strikes. Why can't you do it right now? I mean, like you yeah, got this. I mean, they have the stuff to to miss barrels. They just throw it. Arc- Arkansas. They okay. We can't overreact too much, but they were doing it. They've been walking a lot of people, and that'll come back to ha- haunt you in the it's SEC. Gonna, it's gonna hurt them. It's gonna because when an Ole Miss team runs well within the town, or you go to Mississippi State or LSU or even Vanderbilt, they're gonna they're gonna punish you. Mm-hmm. They cannot keep walking. This, their whole pitching staff is walking people. Yeah, and they bounced back Saturday and Sunday, and they won two games. They took the series. They didn't walk too many guys Saturday and Sunday. They so only they, gave up two runs good. combined in the last no, two games, so it was exactly. Good. But yeah, that, that was definitely a wake up call for me personally, and I'm sure for the Arkansas team. Like, hold up, we just got what we just lost. How bad to Arkansas or to Alabama? So let me that ask was, you this, Ben. The last two weekends, we've seen Arkansas get battle tested between Louisiana Tech and Alabama. Does this say more about Louisiana Tech and Alabama, or does it say more about Arkansas being not as good as we thought? I don't want to jump to the conclusion yet that maybe Arkansas is not as good as we thought. I think it, I think it was maybe a little bit of sleepwalking Friday night for both games. I mean, it took Arkansas uh, probably six or seven there, innings. There is no excuse to be sleepwalking opening night of SEC play. Oh, I know. I know. But, you know, I mean, Alabama, they're a young, fiery team. Like, they're gritty. And we, we talk about grit a little bit later with Devin Mezzarocco. But they're very gritty. They, they're not the most talented guys. Probably – bottom three or four most talented teams in the SEC as far as like recruiting players and uh, like size and all that. But they're, they are someone that plays with a chip on their shoulder. You see it with their home run celebrations that they have and uh, just kind of the attitude they come about the game. They're a little bit different than most SEC teams. They're not the pretty boys. They're not the guys that were, you know, fifth, sixth round draft picks out of high school that ended up signing. Like they have to do things a different way. And I think it's just like, it kind of stunned Arkansas. I mean, yeah, Friday night. I mean, they, they worked at bat. I mean, it wasn't like Arkansas was just giving them four pitch walks, you know, five pitch walks. It was like Alabama had to work for some of those walks 
And, you know, it just turned out they got a couple crucial hits and, and had base runners on the first four or five innings. So I don't know if it – I want to give Alabama credit because I definitely want to give Louisiana Tech more credit for how they handled Arkansas and how they've been playing since then. But Arkansas, man. They, so I think I think – I think what we're seeing here is the gap between the best team and your 25 through 30 team, like your top, your ranking. Let's just say we are ranking top 30. Yeah. I think the gap between number one and number 30 is closer than it's ever been. Than it's right ever now. been. Well, maybe but, not one because of Vanderbilt. I think Vanderbilt, but again, Vanderbilt yeah. slipped up a few times too. They lost to Georgia State. I mean, they couldn't complete the sweep but, but, against but South look Carolina. At, look, at what's, look what's going on. Look yeah. at. Okay, I'm going to pull up their schedule right now because how many weeks – we just finished week what? Five. Week five. So listen to this, Ben. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something. So Kumar and Jack Leiter have made five stars each, correct? Correct. Vanderbilt has lost three games. Their three losses – We're all are, on Sunday. We're all on a week – on no, no, not on oh, – because well. they lost one to Georgia State. But they played one, two, three, four, five weekend series. They've lost – a game every single weekend series. So what I'm saying is outside of Jack Light and Kumar Rocker, Vanderbilt is a normal team. I'm not yeah. saying they're not good, but without those two guys, they're not they're not a top three team. That's a great point. And that's what's gonna make it interesting in May and June during regional, super regionals and all that. Even the conference tournament. Like I'll put it on paper right now. Vanderbilt will not win the SEC conference tournament because they're no. gonna be very, very hands off with Kumar and Jack Leiter, they'll get their four or five innings of work and they'll pull them. They're not playing to win that thing. I'll put it right now. The Vanderbilt will not win the conference tournament. No. And so once you get into regionals, if it's just, I mean, it just takes one game where either Jack Leiter or Kumar Rocker slips up, gets hit around a little bit, or maybe just can't find the strike zone. And, you know, you're looking at an elimination game with, you know, your number three starter, maybe even number Who? four starter. Who's going to step up? Christian Little. I mean, I'm not saying he's, the next stud, but he's really good. And he's, he's going only to be 17. really good. You know, he's only 17. I know. I know. He's That's so wild. Give him two years and he's going to be their next stud. Yeah. He's going to be their next Carson Fulmer, Walker Bueller. But Kumar. do you trust him in an elimination game in, in oh, the postseason? That's what I was going to say. He is not the guy you want rolling out with a three seed, dangerous three seed in Southern Myth or a dangerous three seed in Indiana State or yeah. a dangerous three seed in. I mean, there's so many teams right now. That right. I'm, I'm, those guys, they're, they're going to poke the ball around. They're going to steal bag. They're going to give him hell on the mound, and it's, it's not going to be comfortable. Yeah, so, so Vanderbilt, as long as they win the first two games of every series they with Kumar and Jack Leiter, they're not going to lose very many series, if any. Now, in, a, in a regional, in a regional. A regional. Let's, just say, let's just say Vanderbilt playing – let's just say Belmont win – there or Tennessee Tech, let's just say Belmont wins their conference tournament. They're a 500 team. They're nothing special. And if I'm Vanderbilt, I, you know, I'm not throwing Kumar or Jack no. Leiter. No shot. Right? Okay. Right. I never believe. I never believe in saving your guys. I never believe in it because if Belmont beats you, now you have to play that elimination game, and then you're so you're still gonna have to win without Kumar Jack Leiter because you're going to throw Jack Leiter and Kumar for the next two. Then you have to beat whoever is in the winning side of the bracket. You have to beat them twice. Yeah. So you still got to win the regional without them. So in my opinion, I feel like you've got to throw one, then throw Jack Leiter and Kumar in the winning or the 
one and oh game. Then you're in the regional championship. Now you have two chances to lose with your your number three and number four. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, that's so, a lot of what is I think, scenarios. I think, but... I, I think there's, a, there's it's going to be really interesting because Vanderbilt. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying they're not good, but you can see we've played five weekends. Three out of those five weekends, they've lost the game that Kumar and Jack Lab did not start. Maybe that's the formula. Maybe that's the formula. And it, it would be hard to believe that those guys go undefeated this year. I mean, I think they slip up once, but at the time. And both of their ERAs are like 0.4 or like 0.3. It's just ridiculous. But anyways, moving on from uh, Vanderbilt and Arkansas talk, I want to get a little bit into our, our mid-major pool, kind of tease it a little bit. We had a very back-and-forth debate on who should be number one. Is it going to be Southern Illinois, who's 17-1, and one, or is it going to be Louisiana Tech, who's 13-5 and five, but has way more quality wins? And uh, we'll tease a little bit. We, we went with the team that's 17-1 and one just because of how hard it is. Uh, they played a, t- uh, you know, Southern Illinois played a good schedule, nothing like Louisiana Tech, but hey, you can't hold that against them. They're winning the games that they're supposed to. But Louisiana Tech comes in number two in the poll, and that's after sweeping Tulane, who we're very high on. You know, Tulane's had a great season so far. They beat our boy um, Oltoff from Tulane on Friday night and just kept the momentum. So a, a series sweep on the road against Tulane, who's, I mean, they're a top 40, top 50 team by far, easily. And so Louisiana Tech, the last, let's see, five games, beat Arkansas, beat Ole Miss, and then swept Tulane. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that in the going five games. Going into today, going in today, they gave up one run. Or going, yeah, going into today, they gave up one run in their last four games. That's unbelievable. So our hats are off. We tip our caps to Louisiana Tech and their pitching staff. I imagine if they keep this going, they are going to be number one mid, mid-major ranked team, uh, hands down. But – the Salukis, man, seventeen and one. You got to you got to give credit where credit's due. Yeah, I mean, and, and we don't know what Louisiana Tech or Tech's record would be if they played Southern Illinois schedule. I I think it's hard to believe that they would be seventeen and one though. I, I don't know because I mean, just go look around the country. Look at all these games that these big teams were losing. And then you look at Southern Illinois and say seventeen and one. You say, well, shit. They're winning all their games. They might not be the strongest conference, the record, or strength of schedule, but they're winning them. So, and they're now, winning. They're winning them pretty convincingly. Yeah, they are, and they play in a really good conference. The the Missouri Valley Conference is probably the best mid major conference outside of maybe like Conference USA or um, West Coast Conference. Like both of those, I don't know. They're, they're very, they vary in like each year the strength of the conference but let me ask you this dimitri what would it take for southern illinois and louisiana tech to host a regional southern illinois is gonna have to go to win 45 50 games like if they go 50 and 6 this year they're gonna host they'll host a regional but uh, they won't be able to host it at their their field yeah why not because they won't have the bleachers or the stadium i think they have a pretty nice stadium i played at it my freshman year and it was good man it was like stadium style seating i don't remember i'm pulling up pictures right now so yeah the ncaa i think requires three thousand seats right and lights the regional and and you have to have access to cameras that like all over the field yeah you have to have camera places for cameras so i'm looking at their thing their stadium it wouldn't host, but I guarantee. Well, I think it's enough. There is an independent league team in Carbondale, who like actually has a very good oh, minor league the stadium. Miners? Yeah, the Southern Illinois Miners. 
Yeah, the Miners. That that's a beautiful stadium that they would probably host at if it got to that point. Yeah, yeah. No, I would. If I'm Southern Illinois, I'd host it at um, Southern Illinois. Uh, what is it? Miners. Yeah. The Miners. Yeah. So, and then I think it would take Louisiana Tech uh, a very convincing Conference USA win. I mean, all, like, all the way through the season, like finish with like three or four conference losses. And but they have the resume for non-conference. The only two like slip ups they have is they lost two to Louisiana Lafayette in midweeks. But I think if they played those right now, Louisiana Tech would win both of those hands down. So, Louisiana Lafayette, yeah, yeah. But going back to Southern Illinois, they played Little Rock this weekend, who the they've only played three teams with a winning record. And Mercer had the winning record now, but dude, they played nobody too. And they any team with a, a beating, a heartbeat, they've lost to. Um, so this is only their third team. They're playing with a winning record. So Little Rock, we'll see. But Illinois, dude, I'm ready for them to play. Dallas Baptist and Indiana State. In last May. eight ga- last eight games of the season. Dude, could you imagine? They're like 45 and, and three, three or whatever. <laughs> and, and their last game, three or eight games, they got to get to 50. They got to win five out of eight to get to 50. That's going to be some exciting. And that might be the magic number to host, which would be really cool. We always love when mid-majors host. We've seen Santa Barbara do it a few times. Obviously, like Rice did it back in the day. Southern Miss has done it a few times. Louisiana Lafayette's done it at least once, maybe twice. So we love when mid-majors get to host regionals. I think it's fun. They're an electric environment, by the way. Yeah, I think Dallas Baptist hosted one back in like 2013 or 2014, too. Hey, Ben, I don't know if you saw, but I was just looking at our our iTunes reviews or whatever. Somebody gave us one star and said, I heard you guys say the word mid-major and I had to leave. And he gave us a one star. And I was just like, okay, see ya. That's that's kind of aggressive. like, Like. Thanks for the one star. Like I'm glad you took your time out of your day to give that leave that one star, but denying saying the word mid major, denying it is like is like saying the earth is flat. That makes me want to say the word mid major even more now. Like, like what's like the, what? Why is that one star? I mean, I understand if he's like you know two stupid idiots are hosting a podcast about college baseball. I hate college baseball. Like I understand whatever. Like give us a one star. What? Who cares? But for saying the word mid-major, like that's a big thing about the sport. What are you talking about? Why is yeah. that an awesome? I, I, I just looked at it. I was like, all right, dude, like you, you, you just wanted to like get over yourself. Yeah. I would love to hear that guy host a podcast or girl, whatever it is, <laughs> but I would love to give them a one-star review. Um, hey, you want, so speaking of the SEC, let's go back to the SEC. Tennessee, you're going to like this. I, I don't know if you saw this, but on Friday night, Tennessee took a pretty nice lead super early against Georgia. <laughs> I know where account, you're going with this. This is funny. Their Twitter account was like, and puppy dogs take a nine, nothing lead or whatever. And then they deleted it. And I'm like, okay, maybe they just wanted to put it out there, stir some shit up and then leave. That's like, that's like the little guy that comes and stirs shit up and then he bounces. And then everyone else is fighting while he's on his way. He left. <laughs> but then Saturday, Georgia walked them off. And I was just like, damn, you just called this team puppy dog. And then they walked you off. They walked you off. Yeah. And I, th- I was re- when Tennessee won the first two games of the series, I was like, this is bad news game, for our first, first game. Right. I was like, this is bad news for, for Georgia. But, you know, they bounced back well. And I think Tennessee is still much better than Georgia. It's a t- it's always tough going on the road in the SEC. Anytime you can get one game, possibly two. That, I mean, that's a good good formula for you to do well in the conference. But 
Yeah, Georgia kind of showed me a lot this weekend, so I was I was pumped to see that. I'm not I'm not I'm not a huge Georgia fan. I'm not either. I mean, I think that they're going to be all right. Like they might. You they're going to be they're going to be the Alabama this year. They're going to be spoilers. Like you catch them on the right day, they're going to beat you. But other than that, they don't have like the same talent level that every other SEC team has. Speaking but, of two out of three, remember what I told you. You said, "Oh, if LSU gets one this weekend, they'll be happy." No. Mississippi State went out down there and took two out of three. You're not happy to get one. You know what I mean? Ah, uh, well, I'll tell you why LSU won today, or I guess Sunday, technically. The reason why they won today was because of their two out hitting. I, I looked at the recap of the video, all the runs. Obviously, I watched a lot of this game, but it seemed like every RBI that they got was with two outs. You know, big hits with two outs, big hit with two outs. That's something that Mississippi State hasn't seen a lot this year. They haven't seen eight runs on the scoreboard on the opposite team. And, you know, their bullpen was a little bit vulnerable today. And props to LSU for showing some fight in those gold uniforms. And give me one sec. And I got a question for you. Yeah, what's up? So, you remember the two lane that showed up in Starkville? That was a damn good baseball team, right? Yeah, it was. It's still the same two lane, but now let me now think about this: the same LSU team today or this weekend is the same LSU team that was struggling with UTSA and Oral Robert and the schools like that. So, is Mississippi State that good, or we just don't know yet? Well, I think they're pitching. I think they're pitching it lights out, but offensively, I don't know if they're very good. Yeah, I mean, I think they're above average in the SEC offensively. This isn't the same team that you know had Elijah McNamee and Brent no, Rooker no, no, and all no, those no, guys. No, not even them. Think back, like the Hunter Renfro, the Hunter West Ray. Renfro. That those lineups were lethal. When yeah, they had but, Hunter Renfro, West Ray. I mean, I mean, it all starts with Tanner uh, Allen and and uh, Rowdy Jordan. Like those guys are on base and they're hitting. That offense clicks, but we've seen. Like when they go through cold spells and it's hard to get runs. Um, <laughs> let's so, just Mississippi State offense is streaky. So like, like I don't know. I don't. I want to. Uh, I mean, obviously we'll find out eventually. But Mississippi State pitching is going to keep them in every game. It's just a matter of it because they're off. I don't, dude. I don't. I'm not really sure where I stand with their offense. They haven't been tested. As far as like, I mean, the only time I remember like them getting tested by like a all American caliber pitcher or even like a pitcher that, you know, has a lot of upside, like going to pro ball was the, the Oltoff game where they had to check and see if he was using pine tar and they got I mean, carved yeah. up and they got carved and Oltoff is not a, he's not a prototypical guy that you would say is going to be an elite pro ball pitcher. He's going to get a chance. I think because his numbers are going to be so good. Some team is going to give him a shot to pitch professionally, but he's just a guy that's, you know, 87, 90, just moves the ball all over the place with all right. hell kind of movement. But a guy throwing 95, 98, we saw that with Jaden Hill. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, he was dominating for the most part. His changeup was lethal, but Mississippi State kind of put it onto him at the end because, you know, they wore him out. Yeah. So, and that's something Mississippi State offense, give them credit for that because they, they do. They will always do that. They, they are very scrappy in the box. And I hate using the word scrappy because I think it's overused. But, like, they're just a pest at the plate. You know, they, they don't give up easy outs. They, they foul off tough pitches. Like, they work their walks. That's the way they're going to win SEC games, I think, is just not hitting the ball over the fence eight times a game or even three or four times a game. Sure, they have power in the lineup, but they're going to have to 
they're going to have to have, I mean, this is going to sound so cliche, but situational hitting and two out <laughs> hits and work their walks and just kind of cause havoc on the bases. So that's going to be their formula in my opinion. But I mean, I think they'll be fine. They're a top two. or three. I will give a shout out to that dude, Braylon, uh, Braylon Skinner for first start, second career hit transfer from uh, Northwest community college. Mm-hmm. What school was in uh, last chance to you Northwest? I don't know. <laughs> they played. They played again. East Mississippi, Northwest. Um, anyways, he came for transfer from there. Second SEC hit. Freaking new job. Oh, Absolutely yeah. no doubter to right. And I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, he's um, going to get plenty more chances to swing the bat because he did look good in the box. But uh, moving on, let's talk a little bit ACC stuff right now. Obviously, we already kind of teased the the pit being a, you know pit and Notre Dame are at the top of the uh, ACC leaderboard as far as standings go. Who would have thought that in the middle of March? But so Pitt ends up winning two. Now they're playing a third game tomorrow on Monday, but they win two at Virginia, which is like a huge like, but, okay, this this is a good team. But at the same time, you look at Virginia saying, what the hell is going on in Charlottesville? Because they're yeah. stuck. They're ass right now. And that was one of my preseason Omaha picks. <laughs> I mean, they're still alive. You're still alive, but I mean, they're ass right now. They better hope just to get a regional because right now they're terrible. And But – Pitt continues just to win ACC games. Nobody would have ever saw this coming. And we talked a little bit about it with, with Devin Mesrocco at the end of this episode. But, dude, I mean, how cool is it to see, like, Pitt baseball, Notre Dame baseball kind of prove everybody wrong. You know, two teams picked to finish, like, I think third to last and fourth to last in the ACC. Kind of sitting at the top saying, like, haha, come catch us, Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech. Come catch us, Notre, or North Carolina. Like, those schools are kind of looking up, like, what is going on right now? But think about this. This is the same pit team that swept Florida State before Florida State just went on their absolute tear. Yeah, and Florida State swept Miami this weekend, they which was not the, a good. They beat the brakes off. Of that. Not even close. Thirty-four. Game, I think what did they score? I'll score them thirty-four to two. Thirty-four three, maybe thirty-four. I think two. it was thirty-four two. Either way, it was, dude. Ben, I watched what, most. Of the, it wasn't going, even close. What is going on with Miami? They, they can't play defense, dude. They're making tons of errors. They look terrible at the plate. They're striking out a lot. Toral can't hit. He's swinging at everything. El Castillo can't hit. They're making. They they just don't look good. They're pitching and leaving balls down the middle. Same, I mean, it's just like the same. The honestly, it's kind of similar to like what Arkansas was doing, but Arkansas is much more talented. Yeah. They can get away with certain things, but it's just it's just bad baseball. Wow. Yeah. And so Miami, after winning two out of three against Florida, who was number one at the time opening weekend, they look lost. I mean, they've won a couple series, but that is, I was watching some of the game on Saturday, I believe. And I was just like, if, if, if this was the first game of the season, like I would have Miami as like, I would, I would have the red flag up saying like this team's in trouble, which they might be, but again, they might figure it out before the end of ACC play. But props to FSU, man. They're rolling right now. They are playing great baseball. I just hope FSU hasn't peaked too early because right now it looks like they're peaking. And you never want to peak in March. Unless you just peak and just never cool off. That would be kind of impressive. I don't expect that to be the case. But, but um, all you got to give all credit to half-ass you, boy. In, since uh, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Tech since then. Pissed them off. And they steam. They took two out of three up there. Then they left. They beat the hell out of Florida in the midweek. And then they beat the hell out of Miami. I mean, get off the train tracks when the train's coming through. Train is coming. 
the Florida State cinnamon rolls are doing like the, you don't want to play them right now. There's probably they're a top five team as far as don't want to play them right now at this moment. So, anyways, um, talk a little hey. Big Twelve. Let's talk a little Big yeah. Twelve first. Um, Texas looked good Friday, Saturday. Lose on Sunday to Baylor and ba- dude, Baylor. It, they're they're secretly not a bad baseball club. Well, now they look terrible the first two weeks. I kind of wrote them off, but they've won 11 in the last 13. They won 10 in a row before Texas. Um, beat them twice Friday, Saturday. Of course, you're going to lose to Ty Madden. I mean, like that's a given. And Ty Madden put him in. I mean, I'm not. Now that I've seen more of Jack Leiter and Kumar, Ty Madden is not in that category. I still think he's elite. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I anyway, we've already talked enough about them, but back to Baylor. They, I mean, Ben, they, they beat Auburn. They lost A&M in Oklahoma, like, early. That was still February. From March, in the beginning since March, smacked Sam Houston, swept Memphis, beat the hell out of Memphis, who had the winning record. So not, not a bad team. Xavier, they beat the hell out of them, beat UTSA. Prairie View, they're in our bottom 10, so we don't give them too much credit. And then... Texas, they lost by two on Friday night and then lost by one. And But, dude, they scored two runs on Ty Madden in the first three innings. South Carolina couldn't do that. And then they lost four to three on Saturday. So, Baylor, Baylor's a good ball club. And then they, they destroyed them today. Yeah, destroyed Texas, wiped them off the field. Um, another team in the Big 12 I want to talk about is Oklahoma. Oklahoma is kind of on that border, like, rank 30th the 25th, somewhere in there, in our opinion. They're playing good ball right now. Like Oklahoma, I I don't have like their exact schedule in front of me, but since about when they got killed by Arizona, since and then, that, yeah, since they got killed by Arizona, they've they've been peaking really well. So Oklahoma's a team to look out for, and then obviously you have the the two juggernauts in the Big Twelve facing off against each other this weekend in Oklahoma State and Texas Tech. Now Oklahoma State went in on Friday night and beat them. I thought I thought I thought Oklahoma State had the series in the bag after they won Friday night. Yeah, they won Friday night. But then I forgot. I forgot who are they playing yeah so texas tech kind of showed who was still still who was the big brother in that situation i think personally texas tech is going to run away with that conference even with teams like oklahoma baylor texas oklahoma state tcu is really good this year as well i just think texas tech hasn't hit their stride yet even though they've won like 15 of the last 17 or 15 of the last 16 something along those lines so Big 12 is going to be highly competitive because you still have Jordan Wicks going Friday nights for Kansas State. They're going to win a lot of those games. Uh, pretty much as long as your name isn't Kansas, like you're going to, it's going to be a competitive series. Yeah. Um, but I mean, dude, you, you're, Josh Young, his brother, is leading Jace. Texas Tech. Jace Young. Yeah. Yeah. He's hitting four, he's like hitting like 400 with eight, I think he had eight bombs right now and almost 30 RBI, dude. I saw his stats like when they were playing today, and I was just like, "Yo, this dude is raking." Yeah, his brother was like a number three or four overall pick. I want to say to, in the draft to the Rangers. Yeah, to to the Texas. Yeah, so I mean, little brother's following in the big brother's footsteps. I don't How know. About, I don't know if he'll end up being better than than his brother Josh. No, but no, I don't know. I don't know. That's that's just hypothetical. But yeah. that Mon, Monte Monteverde Monteverde dude is shoving. Is he? Tell me about him. He's got. He's got like 30, 30 innings, I want to say, 30 strikeouts, but his ERA, dude, is a sub one ERA. Oof. And that's... he's got like 30. And then you obviously know Micah Dallas. 
Yeah, Micah Dallas, big, Micah Dallas, like big college one. World Series pitcher for him a couple years ago. Um, yeah, Texas Tech's going to be just fine. I mean, this I expect them to go back to Omaha. I really do. I think they're going to have a pretty easy road because they're going to host a regional, host a super regional. They just don't lose two games at home in a series. <laughs> it's hard. It's, it's hard. hard to beat them there in Lubbock, and they're going to end up hosting both of those, and good luck to whoever they're playing. But um, All right, well, Ben, I want to t- talk about the traffic cone. Yeah, let's talk. Let's let's From do Canada. the traffic cone. Let's do the traffic cone because it was our most viral video of the week, and then we'll we'll break down the rankings or just list the rankings before the interview. So for the listeners who has doesn't follow us on Twitter, I didn't see it on Twitter on Friday and Saturday. East Carolina, the silent assassins, have the best home run slash walk off celebration, other than maybe a few out there like Virginia Tech Hammer and all this. But th- they have a guy. His name is Tyler Smith, who came up with a traffic cone celebration. And he literally grabbed an orange traffic cone you would see like on the side of the road and he cut out a little face hole and he wears it anytime a home run and he puts it on the guy who hits the home run. And anytime there's a walk-off hit, he puts it on and sprints no, out. No, no, no. So I was, I'm just going to add on to that. Yeah. So Friday night, normally they were just putting it on the guy hitting the home runs. Right. Mm-hmm. And they call it the birdhouse. <laughs> but on Friday night, for some reason, he was just like, screw it. And he put it on and ran out there. And, and it looks so funny. <laughs> and the, the way the video pan is just it's from the third base line. And it's just a guy running across the infield with a cone on his head, holding it and just waddling like through the infield <laughs> to get the guy that hit the walk off. And it was the perfect explanation of what college baseball is. Nothing ever makes sense. It is just exciting. It's creative. It's fun. And it's exactly what college baseball is all about. It's just Nothing ever makes sense, Ben. Nothing in college baseball makes sense. What the players do, what anybody does, nothing makes sense. And it would be perfect explanation. For yes. What, I, uh, I mean, it just shows, like, how goofy college baseball players are, like, mentally and all that. Like, they're just a bunch of goofballs that like having fun, enjoying it with their bros. And, like, you saw that very clearly in that video. And I'm glad that you ended up tweeting it out and saying, like, if you want to get someone interested in college baseball, show them this video because there is nothing else like it. There's not like in any other sport, like college football has their celebrations. College basketball has their celebrations, but you will not see a guy running 300 feet with a traffic cone on his head, chasing his teammates <laughs> around. It looked like it came right off of like toy story. Like, it was, I mean, I mean if the, and they explained it and it was basically just for home run, they found it one day and they're like, we're going to do it for home run. And then it just turned into like, yo, this is, this is it. This is our, this is our toy for the year. Yeah. This is our toy. So if you guys haven't seen that video, please go to our Twitter and watch it. It went viral this weekend. And uh, props to those guys at East Carolina because they are fun over there to watch. Uh, anyways, let's go ahead and just do our rankings real quick before the interview. So we have our bottom 10 rankings. Which oh, Hold on, hold on. Pac-12. Are you done on your Pac-12 rants? Did they get you better streams, Dimitri? Their streams? Okay. Outside of UCLA and Oregon, like Oregon, Oregon and UCLA were fine. Oregon had a good camera from behind center field. No, UCLA had the camera, and then Oregon was behind home plate, which is so annoying. But it is when you're playing Arizona State, playing a big series, you can put up with it for a couple hours. But Oregon, dude, they're they're legit. They can pitch and they can hit. They can really hit. And Arizona State won Friday night. Pretty, uh, it was. I think they were down. They came back and won. And then Saturday and Sunday, Oregon took it to them. And then today, Oregon, you know, made a comeback late because it was pretty close, pretty tight back and forth. But think about their last two weekends. They've beaten 
Oregon State and Arizona State, the two fr- perennial besides UCLA. That's UCLA is the last team in their in their way. Yeah, I mean and, Oregon. Oregon has definitely surprised a lot of people. Like they yeah. look like the front runners, and especially since we've no, seen no, not UCLA. front runners. Don't say front runners. They just say like a threat. Well, I mean, who's the front runner? UCLA. UCLA. I mean, I they, mean, we've they, seen them slip up. They've lost. They, it's all about what you do in conference at the end of the day, right? I guess, yeah. And they, they they, they're, they're handling they handled Arizona this weekend, and Arizona was supposed to be good. I mean, they're good. It was a good series, but watching that game, Ben UCLA, you can just tell when they're ready to turn on the jet, they just turn them on and they'll start smacking balls around and win ball games. When they're just kind of going through the motion, they lose games. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. So, like, just give me your gut instinct. Like, Pac-12 winner this year, who's it going to be? Because I don't think they don't have the conference tournament, or at least they haven't in the past. It's just regular season champion. They've never had a conference tournament. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, Pac-12. Who wins? Yeah, they they're having a conference tournament this year. No, I'm saying that I don't think they are, but I'm saying in they've the past, never have. They've never have. I know, but they. What I'm saying is, I don't, I don't, cannot confirm nor to, nor deny if they added one this year or not. I don't oh, remember. Oh, oh, oh! I see what you're saying. <laughs> I was like, um, where the hell have you been the last thirty years? No, maybe? I'm saying that they have never had it, but this year it could be different. I don't know. No, I doubt they it. Have, they don't have one. So who's gonna win the? Who's gonna win the Pac-12? You, I'm, I'm gonna. I would pick UCLA. I would pick Oregon right now. I think UCLA is gonna beat Oregon, and I think UCLA. See, remember what we were talking about. Team, some teams are used to just winning. Like Oregon, is, I was kind of think of them like Virginia Tech. I mean, Oregon's hosted regionals; like they've been more successful. But like in terms of winning, your, your perennial conference winner, UCLA owns that. And until they lose it, I'm going to give them that respect. That's fair. Now, it you would know be, what I mean? Like, I mean, it's like I mean, you also have like Oregon State, who's playing pretty good right saying. now. Stanford looks really good right now. Arizona could win it. Arizona I'm still, State. I'm still sticking with UCLA. I'm gonna stick with Oregon. I like the Oregon Ducks. I watched them. I haven't watched too much of them, but I did watch them last week against Oregon State, and they looked like, you know, they had they had what it takes to win it. So, all right, well, let's let's just go right into our top twenty-five then. Let, let's go bottom. Let's do top twenty-five last. Let's do our bottom ten first because I think this is hilarious. Uh, we updated the I bottom the ten. Bottom 10. Yeah, we had a lot of traction on Twitter. Even a coach from Grambling State commented on one of our posts and said, "Thanks for the motivation." Like totally being sarcastic. And sure we don't enough, know that. We don't know that for sure. What do you mean? We don't know if he was saying that like serious, like thanks for the motivation, man. This is bullshit. Or if he was like, "Ha, thanks for the motivation, guys." No, he was definitely being sarcastic. He was not happy with it. But anyways, so Grambling State was the the coach that commented on it. And guess what? They went ahead and swept. So we took them out. They swept this weekend, won three games. So we took them out of the top twenty or bottom ten, I guess. Wow. Um, but so they number ten, their way out. Yeah, they earned their way out. So hopefully these other 10 teams will earn their way out. But right now they look terrible. So how we rank them is just based off of their overall record, who they played, and the run differential. And so Prairie View A&M is 3-11. They're coming in at number 10, and they have a 54, minus 54 run differential. All of these run differentials are minus, just to let you guys know. These teams are terrible. Utah Valley, the Wolverines, they're 2-13 and 13 with a 57 uh, run differential. Again, all minus. <laughs> just and say then, they've lost by however total okay. run. Yeah, Towson, the Towson Tigers, four and fifteen. They've lost by seventy-two combined runs. Northern Northern Colorado Bears, two and fourteen, minus fifty-nine runs. Norfolk State Spartans, three and twelve, minus sixty-nine runs. Now this is where it gets fun. The bottom five are hilarious. 
Arkansas Pine Bluff, the Golden Lions, two and ten with a ninety-seven minus ninety-seven run differential. Texas Southern Tigers, four and sixteen, so they've won four games, but they still have a minus one hundred five run differential. <laughs> and then you have Alabama A and M, one and seven with a negative eighty-seven run differential. And then you get North Alabama Lions, who are one and sixteen. And I repeat, one and sixteen with a ninety-six uh, run differential. And then Mississippi Valley State remains bottom. 0-9 with a minus 129 run hey, differential. I give, I, give Miss, I give the Delta Devils respect for lacing up the spikes this weekend and still playing ball. Still playing. Still that is hard. Worked. I mean, just imagine you're lo- you've lost nine games to start the season. You're losing by over 10 runs a game. Imagine you just wake up in your dorm room. You're just like, fuck this. I don't want to play. I don't want to play today. Yeah. So the best way I can put it is these these are still considered Division One teams. I don't know how. I guess because they've joined conferences that are Division One and they just don't get well, funding football, for baseball. Remember football and basketball. Yeah, but it is embarrassing to see these teams lace up the spikes. They are so bad. And I know I shouldn't be talking bad about any team, but I think I can because I was on one of the worst teams in college baseball my freshman year, the UT Martin Skyhawks. Would, would you guys have been on this list? A thousand percent. We were the third worst team according to the RPI that year. We were nine and forty-three. Nine and forty-three with probably a minus two hundred run differential. I mean, it was so bad. And so I, I think I, I can speak on the behalf of these teams. Like, yeah, it's tough, but at least to have fun with your boys, enjoy the season. Uh, hopefully, things get better the next year. Don't you? Do you get to a point? Because I've never like I'm not I'm not trying to like be cool and all whatever. I've really I've never played on a bad team. Like when I say bad, I mean really bad. Like I've been on a five hundred team, but I've never been on a awful below 500 team is it is it you get to a point where it's like who gives a shit about winning and losing let's just have fun yeah no that's exactly what it is i mean you wins and losses just completely you lose sight of them you're just like let me pad my stats let me go ahead and have fun with my teammates let's enjoy these road trips uh enjoy getting out of class and there's no pressure anymore <laughs> no pressure the coaching staff's like hey we're probably out of here at the end of the year anyway so um, but but like they're like you don't get the butterfly you get absolutely zero pressure oh no any game you don't work Which, on anything in batting practice you just try to hit jacks it's like it's a good time it's definitely fun so it's it's it's, it's tough for maybe the guy that might have some future aspirations of playing because he's still got to try to motivate himself while everyone else just having a fun good time yeah it turns like, into like sandlot ball like you're just there with your boys. Like oh my god, dude. whoever we play. Imagine, could you imagine? Could you yeah. imagine at, at Mercer, we were so bad that it just turned into let's have fun today, boy. Pitchers, you want to hit today? You can. If you don't, no problem. <laughs> yeah, it, position players, you want to throw a bullpen? That's great. Um, do whatever you guys want. Um, we're just gonna you know hit some BP, take some IO, um, just hang out, get some work in, get ready for this weekend. That's the Wait. mindset. We actually had a, we have a great I have a great story about this. So our best pitcher who ended up getting drafted in like the 14th round, lefty guy throwing like 93, 94. He he was a career 0 and 32 on the mound. No at, way. 0 and 32 or maybe 0 and 23. One of those. Uh, he was a three year Friday night guy for UT Martin. Still a pretty good friend of mine. Um, but so he got drafted in the 14th round after going 0 and 23 as a starter. Well, the funny thing was he ended up being our like second best hitter on the team. And he, he went from his junior year of college to his junior year of high school without swinging a bat. And he ended up hitting like 318 for us from the left side. That's awesome. That's <laughs> it was, so awesome. It was about like halfway through the season. He's like, coach, I want to hit. And the coach was like, all right, man, well, you're our best player. So go ahead. And ended up hitting like 318 <laughs> with a couple jacks. Like it was That's so awesome. It was ridiculous. <laughs> Something you would have never seen in any other program. But 
Yeah, that was a fun story. Um, but anyways, let's go ahead and move into our mid-major rankings, uh, mid-major power rankings. And we had to rename it, obviously. You guys have heard before. But this is probably our most, like, as far as all of our rankings go, this one gets the most traction. We're showing love to the little guys out there. And I hate to call them little guys because they're not. They're but not little guys. but The less recognized teams. They're not on the SEC network. Put it that way. Yeah. And so we went ahead and, you know, Southern Illinois, like I was saying, remains at number one, even though Louisiana Tech's making a big push. And the only reason why Southern Illinois is ranked number one is because they're still 17 and one. That's tough to do through it's 18 games. It's theirs to lose right now. It's theirs to lose. Now, if they slip up in the weekend, sure, we'll move Louisiana Tech ahead or Southern Miss or whoever comes up. But uh, Southern Illinois, the Salukis are number one. And then we have two and three, Louisiana Tech Bulldogs, Southern Miss, Golden Eagles. They actually play a weekend series coming up, and that is going to be so fun. It's in Hattiesburg. It's going to. I kind of wish that we could. I could bring a cooler up to Hattiesburg and watch. Yeah, and they definitely do have a good time out there in the outfield, the right field. I, I wouldn't be in the stand. I'd be in right field in the behind in the truck bed. Yeah, here <laughs> and waiting for DJ Lynch to pimp the hell out of another home run. Oh, I know, man. That would be a fun time. But so Louisiana Tech's two, Southern Miss three, Coastal Carolina still sitting at number four. They're going to be consistent all year. Not the same Coastal Carolina teams we've seen in the past, but definitely. Hold on, one man. I just thought of it. I don't want to forget it. Speaking of sitting in the back of the truck, drinking beer at Vega Boggy, we've got, I, I don't know, next year might be the year, but once we like start getting a little bigger, getting a little, you know, some sort of support, whatever, I would love to go create content take videos and like almost have like a food eating contest and like start raiding stadiums like by not by their field but just the atmosphere atmosphere around it i would fans all that i want to create content videos go to mississippi state travel to like a hundred yeah travel to like a hundred ballparks over the whole whole season yeah travel drive and go to games and just start raiding stadium creating content interviewing long time diehard fan grilling eating whatever food the fans want to like you know give us dude like how fun does that sound oh man that would be a blast i really do think that's a possibility man i think i think, I think it will be one day we're getting, be. we're getting big enough we're like that's a real what possibility if, what if we were the doing all that like our unfiltered coverage and all that but it's like we were with d1 and they just paid us to, to go or great anybody. college baseball they take video or get we have a video crew that come they just video us eating food and drinking and talking to fans and talking to players and just, just like go buy like an astro like a van of some like a big travel van like a volkswagen or like astro van and just travel all across the country that but would think about fun. that and just bringing more light to the atmospheres of these different ballparks yeah i mean i think that's a real possibility like obviously we need to build some funding up for that because it's going to be Kind of no, no, it's but, not free. It's not free. That's for not. sure. But it would be fun. It would be a good time. Uh, but I'm just going to quickly run down the rest of this mid-major top 25. You'll see it on Twitter. And if something comes up, we'll hit on the point if we need to. But uh, five, we got UC Santa Barbara. Six, we have Indiana State. Seven, Dallas Baptist. Eight, Louisiana uh, Raging Cajuns. San Diego State comes in at number nine. And UC Irvine and Eaters at number 10. Now, Florida Atlantic has been terrible recently. Um, not, I mean, they were like 10 and two. Now they're 10 and eight. So they moved them down to number 11. Still think they're talented. Uh, and then we have San Diego State, UNC Wilmington. No, San Liberty. Diego. Oh, yeah, sorry. San Diego, Terreros, duh, boom. And then we have UNC Wilmington, Liberty, and Florida Gulf Coast. Let's, stop. Up. let's stop on Liberty. Yeah, let's stop. Go ahead. They've won. I mean, I just literally, I could have told you two seconds ago, but they've won like eight or nine straight, including two over North Carolina. They have back-to-back weekend sweeps. 
I mean, this Liberty team opened the weekend against Campbell, and they got blown out by Campbell. I yeah, that was like our with... mid-majored watch series right there. We knew both yeah. of those teams were going to so, be good. And then they, you know, they got swept by TCU, and then they have won like ten straight against UCF, Carolina, Alabama, or North Alabama, North Carolina. And then they swept VCU. They're hot, and they're, they're hot. They're the good. Flames are hot. <laughs> Flames are hot, so they're definitely yeah. one of those teams that you, know, you could you could see them as like a, a really good three seed in a regional, not not the team in the regional that you want to see, but they're going to be good the rest of the year for sure. Uh, we have Florida Gulf Coast Eagles um, on our mid major power rankings. It does say that they're two and three, but I believe they're twelve and three, right? <laughs> no, they're twelve and three. Yeah, it says two and three on our rankings, but whatever. Um, we have Old Dominion, the Monarchs, and then Campbell Camels coming in at seventeen. USC Upstate, they're still looking pretty good after that 12-0 start. Now they're 14-3. and Got Sacramento State Hornets, Gonzaga Bulldogs, Georgia Southern Eagles. Lamar Cardinals still stay on the list. We got a lot of Lamar fans that listen to the podcast, which I think is hilarious because they kind of started listening once we uh, we wouldn't give them credit for being undefeated after being 1-0. But they're on the list. They're 10-4 and this year. They look good. We got Western Carolina, Ball State, and Wright State moves in to the top 25, the Raiders. Wright State Raiders 12 and 5 this year. Just came off a big series sweep. So boom, there's our mid-major rankings. You guys go ahead and interact with them on Twitter. Now moving into the actual top 25, where only one of the teams from the mid-majors makes it. And that was Southern Illinois. They're coming at 25. We have Miami at 24, but I promise you they are so close. They are one weekend away or one midweek away from getting out of our top 25. I'm gonna go ahead and just say they're in the top 25 now at number 24, but they are very, very on edge, and uh, we will go ahead and move on from there. But we have t- uh, Indiana at 23, TCU 22, Michigan 21. Michigan's 8-2 and two this year. Pack, I mean, sorry, the Big Ten already started like probably a month later than most people, so Michigan's got a lot of room. I think they're talented, and I think Indiana's the same way, but um, I don't know. We'll see. Big Ten teams are going to have to face, and they're not playing any out-of-conference games. So it's going to be so tough it's going to, to be co- so hard to measure to measure it right. So, but they both they both Michigan and Indiana they look good so far to start the year. And then we have Florida State coming in unranked to number twenty after the sweeping against um, Miami. They went four and zero this week. They're ten and six overall. They're playing great ball right now. Beat Florida midweek, which is good. And they're talented. They're very talented. Very very talented. Um, South Carolina comes in at nineteen. We we're thinking about lowering them down a little bit, but they did win a game on Sunday against Vanderbilt. So we got to credit that. Uh, two of their three losses this week were to Vanderbilt, and that was Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter back-to-back. So keeping them in the top 25 for now. Move on to Pitt at 18. They're 2-0 and this weekend so far. They're playing again tonight against Virginia to go for the sweep. Now Pitt, if you had told me in you know February that Pitt would be ranked 18th, middle of March, I'd be like, you're crazy. But, I mean, they keep winning series in the ACC, which holds a lot of value. We have Oklahoma State at 17. They, just, they went 1-3 and this week. Went on Friday night against Texas Tech. Got to credit that a lot. So keeping them in the top 18. Uh, and then we have North Carolina, Oregon State, Notre Dame. Notre Dame's the, our second highest ranked ACC team, even though they're ranked, uh, not ranked, but first in the standings. Their uh, third highest ranked. Yeah, third. Um, Georgia oh, Tech. Louisville. Uh, I always forget Louisville's in the a- or ACC now. I'm always built on them being like in the American or the uh, Conference USA or Big East. They've been in like four different conferences in the last 10 years, it feels like, but... Uh, anyways, we've got Texas at 13, Georgia I mean, Tech at 12. Big, okay, go ahead. With it. And then Oregon, Oregon at 11, and then UCLA at 10. So 10 and 11, two Pac-12 teams. 
UCLA and Oregon. I think it's going to come down to them this year. So who's going to want it more? Uh, and then we have Tennessee at nine. They should they should have won all four games this they week. Should they should have swept. Yeah, they should have swept mm-hmm. Georgia, but they still showed up really well this week. So we got them in the top ten. East Carolina at eight, Louisville at seven, Texas Tech comes in at number six after a good weekend, uh, bouncing back from that Friday night loss to Oklahoma State. Then we have Florida, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Arkansas, and number one Vanderbilt rounding out the top five. So again, we have five all five teams in the SEC round out our top uh, round out our top five. You know what's crazy? We were talking shit about Florida and saying, oh, they suck. Dude, they're so good. They are. Watching good. them play Texas AM, they didn't even belong in the same. It was, it was just like they threw up stud arm after stud arm after stud arm, and Florida just was still pounding hits everywhere. Yeah. Just quality at that. And I'm just sitting there like, I mean, Bryce Miller was throwing the noise, and Florida was just all over it. I mean, yeah, we still haven't seen Florida play their best baseball yet, which scares me. Which is scary. Yeah, because we were talking shit about how, whatever, like they don't, they're not that good, dude. They're so good, like it's, you forget sometimes how good and how bad a team is and what a difference it is. Yeah. Like their worst baseball and their best baseball, because Florida's not just getting started, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean we've seen Florida's worst baseball, I think, this year so far. So it'll be fun to keep up with them the rest of the season. It's just gonna be. Just juggernauts at the top of the SEC. It's going to be a race. I think it comes down to six teams because I think you could throw Tennessee in there too. Tennessee looks really good to start the year. So and they've got arms, which is what they need. They they have the bats. So it's going to anyways, be a fun ride. But anyways, big weekend. We're, yeah, we're about to. Uh, it was a fun weekend. We're about to show you guys uh, the interview we just had with Devin Mazzarocco, 2014 MLB All Star, now an assistant coach at Pitt number 18th ranked team volunteer assistant volunteer assistant retired from MLB last year decided he wanted to be a dad instead of you know pursuing was it last year that he retired yeah it's like 2019 I believe maybe 2020 yeah. but uh, was, he was a great was. interview super nice guy like did not have to come on the show but you know because a lot of those MLB guys like they don't want to mess around with podcasting anymore. they're done you know they're done with the sport he follows us on Twitter he's followed us for a long time loves our content and we talk about that a little bit and we talk about like ways to grow college baseball and like his experience with college baseball. Cause he's never been in it before. Got drafted out of high school. How crazy is that? This is his first time ever even seeing a full college. Yeah, baseball he game. tells us a story how this first game um, of the season this year was his first college baseball game to ever watch ever. Like never seen it on TV, never anything like that. Never played in one. I think so he's, he's, yeah. Anyway, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. So it was an awesome interview. So you guys enjoy that. Um, obviously look for all of us stuff on Twitter we're close to 10,000 followers on Twitter, which blows my mind that there's 10,000 people out there or 9,000 people that, you know, want to see our content, which is great. So again, we appreciate wait. you guys. We're going to definitely keep growing. This is just the beginning. Uh, we're just here to grow this great game of college baseball. We're starting to heat up into the, you know, April, May, June. That's when it gets really fun. So uh, appreciate you guys for listening. Enjoy this interview with Devin Mazzarocco and let us know your feedback. We, we always want to know and don't give us a one-star review for, um, thin mid-major. Thin mid-major. That's kind of ridiculous. Anyways, peace. What's up, college baseball fans? We have a very special guest, our first Major League Baseball All-Star on the show as a guest. Uh, he's also an assistant coach for the Pitt Panthers, who have been rolling so far this year. Devin Mezzarocco, good to have you, man. Appreciate you joining us. How we doing, fellas? Doing well. I think uh, I think the way that the Pitt Panthers are playing baseball right now, I think you're doing pretty well, aren't you? 
<laughs> the guys have been getting after it, man. The guys are playing really good. You know, we're playing clean baseball, not walking a lot of guys, having good at bats, and, you know, see what happens. Yeah, and so we're excited to get you on the show just because we've never had a Major League Baseball player on the show. Like, sure, we've had plenty of minor league guys that played at the you know, minor wait, league wait. level. We did have Kyle Peterson. Oh, goodness. Disrespect, yeah, dude. That is disrespect. <laughs> Kyle Peterson's four, four seasons in the major leagues. Um, yeah, I guess that's true. But, um, yeah, we're here to talk to you. We want to know if, uh, if Pittsburgh's considered a baseball school now. You know, with all the, the history of football and basketball, it seems like you guys are kind of making that turn to becoming a baseball school, some of the talented players you guys have. Well, we'll see. We have to have more than, uh, you know, four good series, right, to become a baseball school. So we'll see. Uh, you know, we've played good baseball up until this point, but it's a long season, you know, and, and the, the way the ACC is, there's no easy outs. Uh, so it's going to be a tough year. The guys got to keep battling and, you know, we'll see. But, you know, they've been playing very well so far. Right. And so um, you're a Pittsburgh, not Pittsburgh, but you're a Pennsylvania native, right? So you grew up, um, were you were you a big Pittsburgh fan growing up or like what college team did you kind of support well, the most? As far as college teams, I would say I was more of like a Penn State football fan. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Baseball-wise, you know, I didn't really follow a whole lot of college baseball, I would say. That's why you guys are here, right? To kind of help that out. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but, you know, that was really it. I, I mean, I was probably more of a Steeler fan than anything else growing up. That was, that was my team. That was the team that I really watched a lot. So with you, with you, I, we talked about before the show, you got drafted out of high school, committed to Virginia. Um, so this is your first go around with college baseball. This is your first time being on a field in a college baseball game. Like, it's, it's different, isn't it? It's what people talk about. It's like the hidden secret. It's way different. So I would say that the first game that we played here was probably the only college baseball game that I ever watched front from start to end. Uh, and it's definitely different. You know, the thing for me is like, it's a more emotional game, right? Because, you know, you only have 50 games, guys are excited to play uh, and the bullpens aren't quite as deep. So if you can get a lead and get ahead, you know, you got a shot to, to really put them away. Uh, so it's definitely a lot different, more emotional. It's fun. You know, every game is kind of like a playoff game for me uh, where the emotions are high. Everybody's excited. Everybody's into it. So it, 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 it's been really, really enjoyable for sure. No. Yeah, exactly. And I like how you said it's uh, every game's like a playoff game because when we had a couple of other guests on that played pro ball or even Kyle Peterson, uh, we were talking about how these games are important to the kids. It's not, and it's not important on an individual basis as much as is like a team basis. Because and I'll, I'll say that I completely agree. So, you know, pro ball, Right. You got to feed your family. That's why you're out there is to feed your family. You got to take care of things yourself. Obviously you want to win games. Obviously you want to, this is all about winning games. That's all that really matters. You know, certainly we have some guys that have draft aspirations. Of course, of course. Uh, but this is all about winning and the guys have bought into that. And you know, that, that really makes it a lot of fun. It kind of takes me back to when I was in high school with my buddies where mm -hmm man, we just want to win. Who cares? You know, so the the way that our guys have kind of went about it, you know, it's been a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think I try to explain to people sometimes, you know, like I have friends who got drafted out of high school who went straight to pro ball and they always look at college like, 
oh, the quality is not good. I'm like, yeah, but dude, when you think about waking up at 6 a.m. every day, all fall, you go to class with guys, you sit in the locker room with these guys. Winning that game is so much more important because it all of you guys together putting so much damn work in to be a good ball, t- ball team. And so I think, like, I, like you said, it's like it means more. And I think if people don't appreciate it as much as they should because there's so much work being put in to be winning as a team because each guy's not getting a $20 million contract. You're not having a rookie getting called up, sent back down. You got to win with those 25, 27 guys. You can't just call them and send down. You can't trade. Go do your guys, and you have to find a way to win with them. Yeah, that's a good point. You kind of got what you got, you know, and even the guys that are maybe at the bottom, uh, they're going to pitch. They're, they're going to play, you know. You have to work with those guys just as much. That the, Their teammates have to uh, help them out just as much. So, it, yeah, it's very cool. Yeah. So um, kind of getting a whole, like, bigger picture kind of thing. Um, you played how many years in the major leagues, five or six? Uh, so I played seven full seasons, and then I got – one month, my uh, when I got called up there, okay, so, in September, yeah. So over over seven seasons playing at the major league level is, I mean, an accomplishment that point zero zero one percent of baseball players get to do. So what kind of drove you towards the college game after you decided to retire? Like, how did you end up at Pitt, and like, what made you like motivated to get there? Well, I would say that I like being a dad more than anything else, mm-hmm. and this job. Uh, I don't even consider it a job, but uh, <laughs> this, this this chance, you know, I can be do both, right? You know, if I go into coaching pro ball or whatever, you know, you're gone for spring training, you're gone on the road half the time. This, you know, this is our last road trip. And I think we got like, uh, we're home for nearly the rest of the year, mm-hmm. you know, so I can be a dad. And that, that's really what I want to do. This is just more. I need a reason to get out of the house, a good reason to get out of the house. I, we bought an RV after I was done playing there. I ended up uh, going on a lot of vacations. And you can only do that for so long. That's you know, awesome. you, need, yeah, yeah. you need something to keep pushing, right? Uh, you need something to occupy your time, something that's worthwhile. And I don't really know much else other than baseball. So, you know, this was a good fit. And I, I didn't know Coach Bell here previously, uh, but I, I had my agent. You, how, how did you guys link up? How, how did that work out? Yeah, my agent is from Florida. He knows Coach Bell very well. He shoot him a call, and Coach was Coach came over to my house the, the next day, and you know we said, "Hey, this this looks seems like something that would work out." So, yeah. Now yeah, you look I mean, like you're still in pretty good shape. Like, I, have you thought about maybe returning back to Major League Baseball? No, I'm in, I'm in absolutely terrible shape. I couldn't <laughs> okay. be a worse shape. Uh, so after I was done playing, like I said, we took a lot of vacations. I drank a lot of beer. You right? did not touch a weight. I did not touch a weight. For I had a lot of injuries. You know, the seven years I was on the DL for probably uh, nearly two full years. Uh, I had shoulder surgery, two hip surgeries, broke a foot. Uh, and that was all in consecutive years. And I just missed a lot of time. I wasn't the same player. You know, I was grinding when I was coming back. A bunch of my neck was killing me. My knee was killing me. And it just became not fun. It was just like a grind. It was just a grind for me to be able to get out there on the field. I wasn't any good. I kind of stunk in comparison to what I was before. So it just wasn't fun anymore. And I was like, you know, 
they tried to send me down to the minor leagues there in 2019. I just wasn't at a place where I really wanted to uh, go through all that again. You know, I, I didn't have the grind in me anymore. I, I was beaten up, you know, and I just said, that's it. So I have, there couldn't, there hasn't been one thought of me coming back and playing that that's out the window. Now is the grind of being an everyday catcher, just something that nobody could ever compare anything else to, especially yeah. at the major league level. Yeah. You know, every position or every spot is difficult, right? Like the grind, you know, just because a uh, a starter isn't pitching every till every fifth day, that doesn't mean that they're not grinding. You know, those guys have to throw a bullpen. Those guys have to lift. Those guys got to get their running in. You know, everyday players, as a catcher too, they kind of give you the day game after night game off or, you know, they watch you a little more. So, Everybody grinds. It's tough for everybody. You know, it's it's not uh, – I'm not going to sit here and say it's the toughest spot. Yeah, okay. Now, um, did, did you have, like – when you were playing, did you have, like, any kind of issues with any kind of umpires or anything? Because everybody knows uh, the catchers yeah. and umpires. Catcher-umpire relationship. <laughs> so, I got thrown out my, my rookie year, and then it was by this one guy, and then I got thrown out uh, – my second to last year, I think that would have been 2017 by the same guy. Um, it was the same guy both times. Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> but it was on me. It, it was on me. You know, the I was being an idiot, and it, and I deserved to get thrown out. So, you know, like like everyone, you know, somebody – you lose your emotions sometimes, and it is what it is. I wasn't proud of getting thrown out, you know, um, but it happens. It happens. So, and, uh, so now – Go ahead, Ben. Go ahead. No, no, no. You go ahead. You go um, ahead. So I was going to say with looking at like the college game and the big league game from two different eye points, do you think when you when guys like pro guys, they watch the college game, they just think it's, it's I don't want to say too slow, but they think it's just a little more just not clean, which I, I think unpolished. is what makes the game unpolished. Great word. It's not I make for me it makes the game more entertaining for you sitting in the dugout. When you're watching a college game, do you think that like it's a high, it's the highest level of baseball for you getting paid? So do you do you think like when you're watching it, it's like does it remind you of your minor league days or like what's the closest you can compare it to in your career? Um, yeah, I would say it's more like rookie ball, mm-hmm. where you know there's certainly mistakes that are made. There's, there's opportunities for these guys to learn. Uh, there's some guys with some good stuff that maybe can't land their secondary pitches. Uh, you know, the hitters take some uh, non-professional at bats. I'll call them at times, you know, where they're just up there swinging mm-hmm. uh, things like that. You know, I, I, I would say, I wouldn't say the level of play is at that level. You know, I would say it's a little bit higher than that. Uh, but I would say it's like rookie ball where, you know, there's still guys that are learning the game. They're your high, your highest talent guy and your lowest talent. Yeah. I, I think I can agree. So that brings me to my next question as a coach, when you're coaching, are you trying to be careful about being too hands-on? Or are you trying to coach like a pro guy? Like, are you trying to catch your catch coach or catcher to be more of like a pro catcher? Or are you, how, how are you going about that? I would say you have to coach everybody differently. Right. Uh, you know, there isn't like a one size fits all. And 
the mentality that one guy has where you can ride him and get on a little bit more is not the same for your other catcher or vice versa, you know, just as an example. Um, but I would say for me, the, the easiest thing that I can link it to is dealing with the pitching staff. Whenever you're behind the plate, you got to know, you know, okay, who can I get on? Who can I back off? Who do I need to pump up a little bit? Uh, all of that is very similar to running a pitching staff. You know, who, how can I show these guys that I know what I'm talking about? How can I show these guys that they can trust me? How can I show these guys that, you know, that I believe in them? All that, all of that same stuff that goes with running a pitching staff as a catcher is very similar to coaching. Yeah, no, no, I definitely see that 100%. Now, w- let's, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about, like, your future, uh, especially with college baseball. Like, is this a, is this a game where you like, you could see yourself doing this like next 15, 20 years. I know you said you like being a dad the most, but uh, have you kind of caught in a little bit of a passion with the, with the game of college baseball? Uh, I would say, I don't know. You know, I, <laughs> I, I like certain aspects of the game college wise. So as a college coach, right, you're the GM, you get to pick your guys, mm-hmm. you get to set your culture for the team. So you're the head coach. Uh, you're the scouting guy, you have to scout the prospects. And, you know, that part has been enjoyable for me as well. Uh, and then also, like as a college game, you can bounce around and I'm very thankful for Coach Bell, you know, coach kind of basically lets me do whatever I want. If I want to work with one pitcher this day, he kind of lets me talk to that guy. If I want to work with the catchers, obviously I'm always working with catchers, but if I want to talk to the guys about base running, talk to the outfielders, you know, talk to the hitters. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, I'm very lucky that, you know, he kind of lets me do that. And I like having all those different aspects of the game that you can be a part of, you know, and you can affect the team from their mentality. You can affect the team by scouting, uh, you know, incoming recruits, you know, so all of that stuff is pretty appealing to me where you can, you're your own boss, you know, you don't have, if I were to go into pro ball at some point, you know, you don't get to pick the guys necessarily, or you don't get to set the culture or you, heck, you may not even get to write out the lineup, you know, if you're, (laughs) uh, so, this this certainly has some appeal as far as whether I want to do this. Or not. I don't know. I like being a dad more than anything, and this this is the easiest transition to that where I can do both. Yeah, because I was gonna say is you're. I think there's Ben. Correct me if I'm wrong. There's Matt Holiday. There's Troy Tulowitzki. There's I mean Olderud. There's you. And I'm trying to, if I'm, I don't know if I'm forgetting people. There's so many pro big Well, leaders. I'm not sure that I belong in the conversation with those. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> sure you do. I mean, uh, MLB but, player, volunteer assistant, you're in that category, so. But, yes, that, that it's an easy role where you, you can kind of dictate how much time and effort you want to put into it, but mm-hmm. still be home with your family. So I, I can see why. Those guys like it, and I I love it. I mean, do you this think, do you think as more guys are doing it? Do you think it show, more interest will be shown in pro guys retiring, saying, "Hey, I want to stay with the game somewhere close to home, but I still want to be involved with some sort of big baseball." Well, also, you got to look at the pro people are taking a lot of college coaches now. Uh, 
you know, they're taking a lot of college coaches and, you know, this is, this is just something that is more close to people's homes, right. To get a pro job in, in your home base with your family is, is nearly impossible. Uh, mm-hmm. So this is kind of a, a good transition where you can still help guys out, be involved with the game and, uh, but be at home. Yeah, no, I got you. I got you. Um, now you're on the same coaching staff as somebody who coached Dimitri at Mercer university and the guy that showed yep. me around on my recruiting visit at Mercer university. Uh, oh, nice. McGahee. Yeah. McGahee was over at Mercer for a while. And, uh, you know, have you, uh, I'm sure Dimitri has way more stories than I do just cause I mean, I was getting recruited by him, never played for him, but, uh, I've heard some rumors that he throws the best batting practice in the country. Best BP. I, oh, so we have like a uh, competition with our staff all the time. These guys are always going back and forth with, with who throws the best BP. I knew coaches had a competition. <laughs> who is the best BP thrower? Oh, it's a, it's talked about nearly every single day. Uh, every single day, Ty and the other guys are talking about it. My personal opinion is that Ty throws the best BP. That's what I've heard. Uh, we'll, keep th- we'll keep this quiet. We'll keep this away from the pit, pit coaching staff. This is my personal opinion. Now, you may be able to ask the guys, and maybe they like someone else, but just from what I see, you know, my 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 scouting eyes, it's tough. Yeah. Now, now, how like what kind of BP show does David Yanni put on? He's probably my favorite player in college baseball, and I said it a couple podcasts ago. I just think like pure size, strength, plays shortstop, and he's like six, maybe six one, two twenty five. Like that's amazing to me. Sweet left handed swing and hits the ball a mile. So uh, our our infield coach calls him the bus. <laughs> he calls him the bus. He looks like a funny. fullback out there. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. So uh, also, I got to put this in there. I have literally the worst coaching skills in the whole country. I cannot throw BP. I get absolutely terrible flips. And now my fungo is coming around a little bit. Do you have to yip yeah. when you throw the flips? Yes, a little bit. I swear. Where you're, like, you feel good. like your wrist is locked. Oh my god, the worst. <laughs> I, I I never done it as a player, right? Like yeah. I never get anybody flips. My brother would throw to me, <laughs> and my brother would throw me flips, and I would always complain about his. And then I got back there, and they were terrible. And I'm like, oh, yeah, oh that's damn, I appreciate good. it. You get you got him on the phone. <laughs> hey, I appreciate everything you did for me. <laughs> yeah, it was not good. Uh, so, um, Ty, yeah, going back to Ty, um, he was our hitting coach at Mercer, my junior and senior year. So my last two years, he was the hitting coach there and, um, he would throw on game days where a righty was pitching for the most part. And then our pitching coach who was a lefty would throw when we were facing a lefty typically. And Ty usually threw hard. Yeah. He throws hard. He he throws throws hard. hard. And our pitching coach, Shade, would throw super slow, super soft, and everybody would be like, yo, Ty, get in here. <laughs> yeah, he throws hard. He throws a pretty straight ball. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. We got a long season. Maybe those other guys can catch up. Uh, it ain't over yet, but that's my opinion. This so Bell, Bell will not call on you to throw BP? I can't. I flat out can't. Yeah. I mean, I threw one day in the cage. And I think I used like the whole bucket to get through like a couple of rounds. Uh, that's when you but, grab the bucket. Hey, that's when you grab the bucket and throw the home plate. You're not going behind the L screen. <laughs> yeah, it just ain't good. But you know, hey, I guess I gotta I gotta work on it a little bit. We'll get there. Maybe. I don't know. Right. Now they um, big money for it. They pay big money for good BP throws. <laughs> so this is a funny story. The 
with the Reds. We would always show up to spring training. Hey, we got this guy. He throws great BP. And they would give him some other job, you know, whether look at video or be a bullpen catcher. Throws great BP. He's the best. So they would put him with, you know, Votto, Jay Bruce, and Brandon Phillips, the first group. And I swear to God, two years in a row, they put the guy that was supposed to throw the best BP with those guys, got the yips first day. Oh, no. First day. Too big. He got so nervous. He <laughs> saw Votto. He got so nervous. First day they got the yes. And they were done. You know, they couldn't throw the rest of the year. And it was like, oh, well, that didn't work out. But you can't get, you know, you gave the guy the job for the year. So he was with us all year. And they had to find something else for him to do. <laughs> Dude. Oh, man, he got nervous in there. He saw Votto and he was like, I can't hit him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not an easy job. Like, I, I just expected, all right, I'll go in there and throw some BP, but it didn't happen. So I stunk. Uh, <laughs> it is what it is. BP is such a feel thing. Like, you either have it or you don't. And the yips are real, too. And it's, uh, I have the yips throwing BP and I, I can't do it. But um, go, going back to those Reds days, like, did you have like a favorite teammate or anything? Because you guys had, you know, a really talented team with a lot of, a lot of good personalities like Votto and Brandon Phillips. And yeah, and I would say. The guys that I came up with more, you know, uh, Todd Frazier, Zach Cozart, uh, Chris Heisey, I played with, you know, quite a long time. Those were the guys that I hung out with the most. Uh, you know, obviously very good friends with Jay and Joey and, you know, uh, Brandon. We, we worked out a good bit in the offseason together as well. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, we had a good group there, you know, of guys that kind of stayed together for, you know, for – three, four, five years. What was it like being a Major League Baseball All-Star? Was it 2015 or 2014? So that's really like the only good year I had. The other years were, you know, I was young. My first couple years uh, was just battling to stay in the league, trying to find your feet, you know. Uh, and then 2014, they kind of they traded Ryan Hannigan, who had taught me a lot, was a very good catcher. And they said, you know, basically it's your job. Go out there and, and, and prove us right. Uh, and I got off to a real hot start. I think I was like 26 for 50, you know, in my, in my first 50 ABs. Uh, it just kind of carried over. Uh, we had a new hitting coach come in. Uh, and, and I was just, you know, playing really, really well. Uh, it's kind of what. I thought that I could do, but you don't really know, you know, until you actually go out there and prove it. Like, you don't know, Hey, I can, I can, I can hang here. I can do this. So yeah, it was awesome. The, the all-star game was in Minnesota. You know, I remember being told and I was, I was just pumped up, you know, that was, that was, that was as excited, you know, as, as you can really be. And it was good time because I was going into arbitration. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got time <laughs> You're feeling right. good. So I was pumped up about that. Uh, Bank account's about to go up. Yeah. I was pumped up about that. Yeah, for sure. So it, it was good. It was it was a, a great honor and you know something that uh I wish I could have done more and, and kept doing it, but you know, th things happen and it is what it is. But I was glad, you know, the way that uh I was fine with the way that my career finished out there. Right. Now, was there like a pitcher that you kind of owned like in your whole career? Like someone that you, if you saw was throwing, you're like, all right, let's no, go. No, I, I wasn't that good. I you wasn't that good. <laughs> no, anybody could get me out on any day. Uh, no, there, there certainly wasn't anybody that, 
you know, these guys are big league pitchers, right? Like they're going to win some, you're going to win some, uh, and maybe you'll get the best. So this is kind of funny, but now my neighbor is Jason Grilly. Oh yeah. <laughs> so he got me out a couple of times, but I hit a, I hit a top game tying home run off him in 14. And then I had a walk off hit against him in 15. So I, I think I was like a couple hits off of him. You know, I always hit relievers better because was I was like more of a guest hitter, but I could hit the fastball. I couldn't hit nothing else. You know, I couldn't hit the <laughs> ball, none of that. So whenever those guys come in and try to throw in by you, I was always pretty decent at hitting that one, but that was the only time. So anybody that I would own that would be a reliever. All right, let's flip that question. Was there a pitcher that if they were throwing, you're like, uh-oh, I'm in trouble? <laughs> uh, I never liked facing Kyle Loesch whenever we faced him with Milwaukee. So Really? I, Kyle Loesch? Okay. He would just paint down the way, and, I, you know, he would throw off-speed pitch. I mean, he was a pitcher, right? Like, yeah. there was nothing that uh, – he wasn't throwing anything in the middle part of the plate. And that's really all I could hit. So he would just paint down the way and I'd roll it over, pop it up, or, you know, strike out, whatever. But I, I never liked facing Carlos. Yeah. The guys that kind of lived off the lo- off speed and location, not the flamethrowers. Okay. That makes sense. I needed something in the middle. <laughs> Give me something in the middle. That's about all I could hit. Yeah. Yeah. Now, was there like a, I mean, I have a theory that hitting a major league baseball, obviously I've never done it, but like squaring up a major league baseball for a home run has got to be the best feeling in the world. Like you probably don't feel the ball come off the bat. You just see it launch into the stands. Um, Oh, there's nothing better than that. Yeah. That's a tough one to beat for sure. So where have you guys, where, where have you guys back to the college side of things? Where have you guys traveled so far? You guys have been to Georgia tech, Virginia, we played at Florida State. We opened up there. That's right. You guys swept down there. Yeah. Well, we opened up down there. We. Uh, oh, you guys played in um, Sarasota Orioles Complex. Yeah, it was it was a community field. Yeah, we oh, just back played the back the backfield. Yeah, we played Indiana State there. Then we went to Jacksonville. Played at their park. Nice little park. Um, then we went to Florida State. How would, how, would, how would that theory? Because that was the first time, if I remember correctly, I saw it on Twitter. Florida, that was the first time Pitt had beaten Florida State in a series. And like the first time in like eight years, Florida State had been swept at home. Yeah, the guys came out to play there, you know, and, and Florida State is no joke. They have some real arms. Uh, they have some real, real tough arms. Yeah, they just and swept Miami this weekend. So beat the shit good. out of them. They beat the hell out of them. <laughs> at that point, you know, didn't seem like they were swinging the bats very, very well. Uh, and certainly they've, they've kind of righted that shit, but you, you see when we went in there and we saw all the arms that they had, it was like, man, this is going to be tough. Uh, they just kept throwing guys at you. And even, you know, they had some high velo guys and then they had some guys that could pitch, you know, they just had a really, really nice mix of guys. Uh, but our guys battled, you know, we were able to get three out of there. Uh, it was, it was a lot of fun to watch for sure. Yeah. So you guys play one more game tomorrow against Virginia going for the sweep. And I think if you guys win that, you'll be in sole possession of first place in the ACC. Uh, I have to double check that, but you guys are definitely rolling right now. Um, give us like a, give us like a kind of a preview for tomorrow's game, just real briefly. Um, who's on the bump? Who do you think is going to come up clutch for you guys? And uh, I don't know, kind of talk about the game a little bit. So we, uh, we got Hanson on the bump. He's a, a grad transfer from 
I'm not quite sure where. Uh, <laughs> uh, an older guy, you know, he can pitch, throws a lot of strikes, yep, yep. you know, goes right after guys. Um, you know, position player wise, so I, I, I nicknamed the boys uh, Gritsburg. Oh, you I know, love not, that. I love that. We're not Pittsburgh, we're Gritsburg. So we don't really, you know, we have some guys in the middle order that can lean into a ball and, and, and leave the yard. But, you know, I think the way that we're going to be good offensively is just grinding out ABs, taking our walks, uh, getting hits, getting into the bullpen. So, you know, that, that has to be like a full team effort. Uh, you know, everybody's got to buy into that. And, and the guys have done a great job at doing that. So, you know, that's, that's, that's what I named the boys is Gritsburg. Yeah. I actually have a funny story about one of your players, and I can't believe I waited this long to say it, but the summer after I graduated uh, from college, I went and coached in a summer league in Houston, like a wood bat summer league. And uh, I actually coached Ron Washington Jr. for two games. He okay. shows up unannounced, didn't know he was coming. It's a very unorganized league, the Houston Collegiate League. Shows up two games. I think he went six for seven. And I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's my best player by far. Yeah, Ron bats in our four hole. Uh, yeah. You know. You know, he's got some real juice. He's got real juice. Yeah. Uh, I thought he was the best player in the world at the time. I was like, please give me him back. Where did he go? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he ended up playing on another. I think he, he went a couple steps up as far as summer ball goes and ended up playing somewhere else in the north. But, yeah, I mean, he had the real juice. Like, BP before the game, I was like, where did this kid come from? Why is he yeah, on my team? Yeah, you don't see many guys. Yeah, there ain't many guys that hit the ball like that, for sure. Yeah. Comes from a good bloodline. But um, what was oh, he yeah, he does. Yeah. Uh, I completely forgot what I was about to say, but we'll end up wrapping up this interview. Let's uh, let's give a prediction as far as um, who you guys are going to play in the College World Series championship. Oh, geez. <laughs> I, I don't even know, man. Uh, you know, the only way that I know what any of these teams look like is from watching. Still learning. Yeah, I, I watch the pitch of Ninja to see who they got <laughs> rolling out there. And, uh, you know, just watch it on Twitter. That's really about it. You know, I, I don't see how, uh, man, Vanderbilt rolling out those two guys that they got. My gosh. Uh, you know, that'll be a tough to beat in a short series, right? Yeah, uh, I mean, those guys, those guys are almost – I'm not going to sit here and say they're big league ready, but they are close. They're, just gonna, they're, gonna, they're probably going to get fast-tracked. They're going to go minor league ball, go high A. They're gonna. It's gonna probably be a, two, oh, a year and a half, I think, before they're in the big league. Yeah, I'm certainly excited to you know see what they do. So they certainly you know they have to be looked at as one of the favorites. And uh, you know Mississippi State, they seem to have guys that just throw BBs. Uh, oh, yeah. So I, I, to me, I feel like pitching wins in those short series, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's tough to roll in there and have big offense and just go and out slug somebody, you know, against those top guys. Uh, so to me, give me the arms, you know, whoever got the best arms that, that that's, who's going to do it. So uh, I don't know. Other than that, we got a long way to go. You know, the boys oh, gotta, of course, of course, the, the boys got to go out there and they got to earn it. And uh, you know, we'll keep grinding and, Gritsburg, we'll see what happens. Gritsburg, hey, we got to trade to college baseball. Hey, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you, you know, keep enjoying it. Maybe one day you fall in love with it, where you want to keep coaching somewhere in college baseball. But um, it's definitely a sport. no. I love it. I love it. Honestly, this is the most fun that I've had. In, it makes uh, baseball. It makes it enjoyable again. Mm-hmm. It, this is the most fun. Well, 2014 was fun. Whenever I was playing good. <laughs> uh, 
but this is definitely the most fun since then. You know, these guys, these guys are getting after it. They're a lot of fun to watch. Uh, you know, a lot of the credit for our club certainly goes to Coach Bell and Coach, you know, Ty, who who brought all these guys in, recruited them, taught them the last couple of years. You know, they have done a great job, you know, with all that. So I, I'm just thankful that they brought me on. I can be a part of it. It's a successful program. Still can't throw BP, but, you know, <laughs> I, I can help these guys out in other ways, I guess. Right. No, but uh, Devin, man, we're, we're very thankful you joined us on the show here today. Uh, we'll be releasing this episode uh, probably tomorrow morning. So uh, thanks again for giving us a follow on Twitter a few months ago. And, uh, you know, if we, if you ever need anything from us, just let us know. But we do. Yeah, appreciate keep it doing that. keep doing what you guys do. The the Twitter account is is pretty heat. I like it. it's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, you keep it interesting. Um, I, it, yeah, it's it's cool to watch. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, good yep. luck tomorrow, and uh, we'll definitely be on the Gritsburg bandwagon from now on. That's for sure. Oh, beautiful. I like that. <laughs> we'll, that we'll, we'll make sure yeah. everybody knows what's going on in Gritsburg. Oh, yeah, I like that. All right. All right. Take it easy. Appreciate it. <laughs> yep. See you, guys.